David and Christina Golding, a couple bound by love, commitment, and their shared fight against addiction, open their world to you, our listeners. You will come face to face with the harsh realities of David's addiction to alcohol, cocaine, and gambling. The grit of addiction against the glitter of their multi-millionaire lifestyle, the heart-wrenching arguments, the sleepless nights, the helpless despair, and the endless cycle of hope and disappointment that Christina lived through. This is not just their story, it's a journey many of us are forced to take. Together we can prevail one day at a time. Welcome to The Golding Show, and my name is David Golding. I'm a recovered alcoholic, cocaine addict, gambling addict. I'm also a professional certified recovery mentor, and I'm known on Instagram as at SoberCoachDubai. And I'm Christina, David's wife, and I have lived experience living with you in the madness. And you are somebody I used to know. That person, you know the song? Mm. Somebody I used to know. Gautier. Is it? Yeah, that's how I feel. Because you're not that person now, but I lived with you. I have a set of skills that I I learned for myself. Mm. And I'll never forget them. No, of course not. So, yeah. Very good. Well, thanks for that. And today we're going to tackle uh, the sticky subjects of safeguarding and boundaries. Let me talk about what I believe uh, are important in terms of safeguarding. So in my role as a a recovery mentor, I always speak at the very beginning when I've got a new client and talk about safeguarding. So just briefly, this was something that I I learned in rehab. Um, So we talk about this at the beginning of every meeting that we have. There's a little card and it's called the preamble. And it's the rules for meetings and whatnot. Okay at the Priory Clinic, which is where I went. And I'm still a volunteer there. So I've worked there uh, as a volunteer for over three years. And we talk about safeguarding, and it's really about accepting that if somebody who's probably quite ill begins to talk in a manner that presents itself at risk of harming themselves or somebody else, there's a duty on you to intervene and do something about it. I'll give you an example. Um, so probably the easiest one to contemplate is suicide. When somebody has suicidal thoughts or suicidal tendencies or anything to do with self-harming. Okay, so there's this really difficult and gray area, which is when do you intervene? You know, what are the rules about that? What, what's going on there? Such a hard question. It's, it's impossibly difficult. You know, and in, everyone is different. Of course. And, you know, in my experience, suicide, unfortunately, was part of my background. Um, and maybe we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that. But I think in terms of safeguarding, if, if somebody has somebody close to them that's in the madness, that, that's an active alcoholic or addict, and they begin to talk about suicide, harming themselves, what the hell do you do? Well, I'd tell my mum. Okay. She was my go-to. But I would have to really think very hard and watch what I say, because I know that every word Mm-mm. has an impact yeah. on you. That's a really hard question. Yeah. Well, the other thing is, I recall, by the way, I threw that at you. I weaponized that suicide word. I remember saying to you, I don't remember the circumstances, but I recall that that's what I said to you, that I want to kill myself. Do you recall that? I do, but it's so, it's still a blur. Mm. Because I would have withdrawn from that. Rather than go on the attack and defend, defend, Mm. I would have withdrawn because that's an area I need to learn more about. It's very hurtful. You know, if I'm going to talk about it with other people. Mm-hmm. It's a really tough subject. It is. Um, well, I want to sort of break down, try and help people understand a little bit about, about what's going on. So I do recall when I first came out uh, of rehab a few years ago now, four years ago, 
we had this conversation about suicide because I attempted suicide and once really quite seriously and I nearly died. And uh, I recall we had a conversation about it. And at that time, again, I hate putting words in your mouth, but you sort of said to me, you couldn't get your head around how or why I could do that. How could you do that? With everything that we had. Mm. The children. Mm -hmm. And I thought of you as selfish. Mm. Because I didn't understand where you were coming from. I've never had those thoughts. No. So I'm ignorant to them. Mm -hmm. I didn't know. Mm. Again, it's a, if you'd have come to me in a row and you were in my face and you were shouting, I'd have dealt with that far easier mm. than a calm conversation about suicide. Mm. I can accept that because, you know, if, you can, if you've never experienced those dark thoughts, and, and by the way, they're extremely dark. Mm. You know, I, I try and describe it or explain it if somebody says, how, how could you contemplate killing yourself and leaving behind your wife and children? And the only way I can explain it is to say, that's how ill I was for me to think that that was okay. Yeah. That's the only way of explaining it. Imagine that you're so ill that you think it's okay to kill yourself. No, and I can't imagine I it. I know you can't imagine it and, and it's terrible. But I know you did. Mm. And by the way, that's no reflection whatsoever on you or anybody else. Oh, no. You know, yeah. I think it's really important that, that anyone that ever has that thrown at them, it, it's... I was about to say that. What about the people listening mm. who have had that thrown at them? Yeah. It's your fault I feel like this. Yeah, no, it's, it, what it, do you do in that situation? It's not, I honestly wouldn't know. Well, look, you, you've got to talk to somebody about it. That's the first yeah. thing. Always okay? talking's always good. Talking's great. Just pick the person very carefully. Yeah, absolutely. Well, look, honestly, we, we, we try and seek, seek advice. I think I've said this before, which is we can't think our way out of situations. We can talk our way out of situations. And I don't mean talking your way out of a problem. I mean talking our way into a solution. When there's something you don't know, you go and seek advice. You know, that might be going to see a GP. Um, it might be going to phone the a crisis line. But there's all sorts of things that you can go and find online. But ultimately, speaking to somebody, you know, we can all use Dr. Google and see what... Yeah, it's, it's just important to speak to somebody. I think I so. have my mum. Other people will have mums, dads, mm. friends, sisters, mm. brothers. But that's just what I did. Sure. I think there's something else I should probably just mention. One of the things that I've learned, which is that it's really quite common. It's more common than you imagine people having suicidal thoughts. In fact, the statistics are that one in four adults will have suicidal thoughts in their lifetime. A quarter? A quarter of the population, adult population, at some time in their lives, will have suicidal thoughts. I'm shocked. Is that more men or women? Did you know? I don't know the breakdown. It doesn't really matter. I think, it's, I think it tends to be more men, but forgive me if I've got that completely upside no, down. I suppose it doesn't matter. I do know another statistic. You know me. Still a human being. Mm, I'm a mathematician. <clears throat> I, I, I like numbers. They speak to me. I know. <laughs> yes. Unfortunately, in the UK today, uh, three men will take their lives every day. And I think about two women every single day. What common thread do you think that they've all got? I think there's... Because there might not be an alcoholic. No, mental health issues. Mental health, yeah. Mental health is, is, is a big one. Again, I think I said that I was really ill. Mentally ill is what I mean. I don't mean that I was suffering from an illness, a physical ailment. There was a mental illness there. I, I knew there was something not right because when you were surrounded with family and friends at an occasion mm. and all the children were there and you weren't drinking, mm. you were abstaining for a few days, which was always brilliant, mm. you'd still look so unhappy. Mm. And you put on a show for everybody. Mm -hmm. You were a showman, weren't you? Mm. 
That's faking it. That's what we do. We wear a mask. And we learn to wear the mask. You know, when people stop you in the street and say, how are you? And you go, fine, I'm fine. Yeah. And then if they ask again, no, how are you? And you go, I'm not fine. People are A, scared to ask, and B, scared to get the answer. And we all learn just to gloss over it and say everyone's fine. When you go through it yourself, you're the best one to talk to people. Mm. I wouldn't be. Mm. You're so good in this mm. because you've got lived experience. Mm. Haven't well, you? Yeah. I mean, I've, I've been there. I've attempted my own life four times in the last 15 years. Um, I just wanted to point out something else that's really important. So if we have somebody um, who's talking about suicide, right, given the statistics, one in four, yeah, and they're talking about it, and sometimes they might use it as a weapon, and they say, I don't know, you know, if you leave me, I'll kill myself or whatever. Oh, yeah. There's a really, I think a lot of people have heard that. Yeah. I think there's a real clear distinction. So let's imagine a married couple, and uh, Brian says to his wife, I'm thinking of killing myself. And if she was to say... Go on then, how would you do it? If you were going to kill yourself, how would you do it? If he says something like, well, I don't know, I'll, I'll jump in front of a car. That's one, one sort of level. Okay. But if Brian were I to... I think s- I know where you're going with this. If Brian was to say, well, behind our house are the train tracks and the Manchester Piccadilly train goes to Euston Station at 6.08 in the morning, it goes past our house and I would walk out the back garden, hop over the fence and lie on the train track. That's a mm. different ball game. That's called having a plan. That is a plan. And I think for me... Uh, and some I, wouldn't say anything. Correct. But just go and do it. And you don't know. And, and you know, we can't sort of live every day in fear that somebody's going to take their own life. But I think that we do take mm. it seriously. Yeah. And we... It's very serious. The tone of this podcast has gone... Because it's a big, serious topic. It is a big, serious topic. And not many people are comfortable talking about it. No, it's a good point. And I it's a scary... Think. It's a scary topic. It is a scary topic. And... Let's be honest, I'm sensitive to the fact that some people will be listening who've lived through this, where somebody close to them has, has done that. And, you know, there's lots of charitable organizations that, that help people. There's all sorts of help for people. But it's it happens and happens regularly. And I think breaking down the stigma of that too um, is part of what we're doing here, to talk yeah. about it. For me to be able to say, no, I did that. Um, I was really ill. And I came out the other end, you know. <clears throat> people held my hand. As did you. And talking about it is really helpful. How did I hold your hand? Oh, I mean verbally, lovingly. Did I? I don't mean necessarily physically. Why can't I remember this like I can everything else? I wonder. Sorry, I keep asking you, don't I? No, that's I fine. don't know why this, there's a blur with this. There's a, there's a fog here. Maybe it's because I did withdraw. Now, hold on a minute. I think that we cope at the time with things. I think there's... In traumatic times, people sort of push memories to one side automatically, bury them or whatever. You're not going to remember that conversation in the same way that you will when we were in, on the beach in the Maldives and having dinner under the stars. No. That's a sort of joyful, happy memory. This is a scary moment. Yeah, okay. And I wonder whether it's that. So the other thing I wanted to discuss really were boundaries. They sort of overlap a little bit for me. Boundaries. Yeah, I remember those. Yeah, very good. Yeah, you've got great boundaries. I think you learned to have your boundaries with me, did you not? Yeah, of course I did. Of course, every day was different. Right. I couldn't use yesterday's boundaries to the to the next day's boundaries because you were so unpredictable. Okay. And when I thought we had a really nice Friday ahead, you'd have the day off work, we'd go for a long walk, we'd go for a meal. Fuck it up. 
<laughs> could just be some outburst. You'd kick off at somebody walking the dog past you or right. you'd get a phone call. Okay. That was the usual thing. Your phone would go off and then you'd, you'd swear and curse and uh, you because you didn't turn it on silent. It was uh, always external. Okay. But things used to wind you up so much. Mm -hmm. I had to be on my guard all the time, even walking the dog. Okay. Even going out for a meal. If the meal wasn't right, you could kick off. Really? You don't mind me saying? No, I don't mind. It's... Right. Well, it happened a lot. When we used to travel mm -hmm. in airports. Oh, God, and you'd cut corners so that you'd go over to somebody's toe and then they'd say, excuse me, and then you'd say, what? And I just used to walk in the other direction. I thought, here we go. Oh, no. And hope that you'd defrost by the time we got onto the plane. Or sometimes it would be on the plane. And there'd be a row with the stewardesses or the, remember those two passengers. Mm. Very unpredictable. Okay. Sometimes they were funny. Maybe I was wrong to laugh with you. I just think I was... I was so grateful to have a funny moment with you. Mm. I did laugh as much as I could. You did? I most do recall. Most of the time they were. I remember sometimes it used to piss me right off because uh, I was, there was some serious thing that was going on and you're, la you're laughing your head off at, the, at what's going on with me. But it just shows how crazy I was. Zero to a hundred. Yeah. But you never went into a situation at zero. You were already at 70. Yeah. You were ready for an argument. Okay, so going back to boundaries. Oh, yeah, sorry. That's right. Boundaries. The boundaries around that. Um, I think when I think of boundaries, because look, I, I'm Mr. Black and White. I'm Mr. Logic. Yeah, you are. Mr. One and Zero, which is why I think I struggled throughout of life, because people are grey. Yeah, I'm grey. You could never understand. No, everything's grey. But I wanted it to be... What did I used to say to you if you asked me a question? I'd say, if you like. Yes. You'd, and you'd, you'd say sometimes, what does that mean? And I'd say, what are you talking about? Yes. If, if you want to, yeah. We'll just say yes. Yes. Do you want a cup of tea, oh. if you like? What the hell does that mean? Is that a yes or a no? <laughs> oh, that, I hated that. It was so draining because I had to constantly explain what I meant. Oh. And I think over time, sorry, but over the time, my boundaries included simplifying answers Got so you. that they were black or white. And I would do it automatically. I've never said this to you before. No. But it's just come to me now because it's true. I would simplify my answer to you to make it fucking easier in the long run. Got you. Do you want a cup of tea? Yeah, please. Or I'd say, no, I'll make it because you don't do a good cup of tea. Yes. I'll do the best. But yeah, that's a good example. Okay. So my boundaries, part of my boundaries were simplifying answers to either yes or no. Okay. Which is quite sad, but... It is. That's what I did. But that was the sort of way that you had to learn to cope with me by coming up with rules, I guess? I think so. I didn't plan them. No, of course. They just came to me on the day because every day was different. But there was a sort of core set of rules. So, for example, rules around... You like rules. You want rules, See, don't I, you? I do. I'm trying. I'm... I don't have rules. I just, I just behave <laughs> as and when I need to behave. <laughs> oh, this is me, isn't it? I want yeah. some bloody rules out of this. And, and I think it's because I'm trying to imagine people listening to say, well, what do you mean by boundaries? How does it work? So I think around the children, for example, you, you've spoken oh, yeah. about this. There was actually a boundary line, really, wasn't there, about me and the children? Well, there was. If one of them was still awake at 9.30 and they came downstairs and they wanted a drink, mm. I'd be horrified that they came downstairs and I'd quickly go and see to them and say, you okay? Mm. And then you'd pause whatever we were watching mm. and say, what's going on? Why, why aren't you asleep? Yeah. And I'd look at you and say, just leave him. I'm dealing with it. Mm. Just 
fuck off. Yeah. Well, I didn't say that, but I thought it in my head because okay. if I'd have said that, it would have been well, in, front, in front of the child and yeah. you would have just gone, right. So always watching what I was saying, simplifying my answers and going to bed before the third bottle usually kicked in. Yeah. Between 9 and 10 p.m. Mm. Everyone's different. Everyone will have different boundaries. Mm. No, I, I, I get it. I, I think... You're really making me reflect and, and come to realize. No, I feel bad saying it. No, you, you don't Not have to. Not all the time, but no, sometimes. But you, no, please don't feel bad that the whole purpose of this is to help me reflect and understand. Because look, it, it helps me with my clients. Let's be honest about that. But it helps me as a human being. You're so good with and, them. And I'm learning more and more. I think one thing that keeps coming through loud and clear. What's that? Is how bloody intolerant I was. Yeah, you were. Yeah, you were. Victor Meldrew, all the time. Gosh. And you're posh as well, so you talk like that. <laughs> I don't. And, and I'm not. Yes. <laughs> but it made it funnier. Okay. When you were arguing with the postman, who's a mank, and then you were talking like this. And the whole th- I used to just look at you both and just laugh. Sorry, laugh. <laughs> laugh. <laughs> laugh. You say laugh, I say laugh. laugh. Grass. Bath. Bath. Yeah, okay. Well, anyway, I do opposites re- attract, they do. clearly. Of course they do. They make us laugh so much. They do. We laugh all the time. Laugh, sorry. That's fine, you can say what you want, but we do laugh all the time. We do, I think it's important to keep keep a sense of humour if you can, really. Mm. You always did. You weren't always intolerant, sometimes. Especially when you were reeling from the weekend, mm. a Monday and a Tuesday, you were very well behaved, mm. as in agreeable, normal, casual, laid back, mm. whereas Thursday, Friday, the energy was different. You were tense. The atmosphere had changed. Mm. Thursday, Friday, weekend was coming. Yeah, blowout time. Got you. Monday, Tuesday, usually nicer. So the other thing I'm, I'm getting here is these sifting sands where nothing was reliable, where no two days were the same. No, they weren't. And we're talking but about... I got used to that. Years here. Years, yeah. This is why I liked it when you said, I've got to go away. <laughs> and I'll say, oh. <laughs> and I'd say, how long are you going for? You say, I don't know. So, well, why don't you I remember this. stay a bit longer? Have a break. And have a break. Me and the kids are fine. Mm. You stay where you are. Mm. Don't rush coming home. I've got everything here. Down don't, to a tea. Don't rush back. No. Trips away. Yeah, okay. They really helped. Yeah. Not everybody can do that, though. Not everyone says to the wife or to the husband, I've got to go now and go on a two-week business trip. Mm-hmm. So it's not as easy as that in real life. We no. just had options that other people didn't have at the time. Mm-hmm. You did manage to find ways of having peace. You you also mentioned about taking a different route home from dropping the kids off at school so that you could go and get, you'd steal an hour. Yeah, remember that you, you're a human being yourself. I need to be a functioning mum here. Mm. I don't want to be walking around miserable. Mm. or intolerant like the father. Mm. I wanted to be the opposite to you. Every day I strived to be the opposite to you. Yeah. And I guess the the other thing it is... Sounds awful when I'm no, saying it. No, but, but it's, that's the it's, reality. It's real, yeah. That's the reality of, of the positions I put you in. I, I completely accept that those were the positions I put you in. I mean, I'd like to think I don't do, do that now. I don't put you in those no. positions now. You're a different person now. Now that I'm sober. Different person. I think the other thing is that um, talk me through the pressure as a mother to keep 
the environment the same for the children so that they don't see anything, hear anything, that you're a constant for the children. Because you've made me reflect that, you know, when our son maybe, for example, would come downstairs, I'd have to pause Sky TV. Oh, yeah, end of the world. I remember going, oh, fucking hell. Yeah, what's going on? It's making my hands sweat remembering how shit I was. Well, I would say to you towards the end, you stay there. No, I didn't say that at the beginning. No. If you got up and walked off and investigated why he was downstairs, there's nothing I could have done to stop you. Mm. Two, three years later, and I've looked you in the eye, they're giving you the stare. Mm. Back off, I've got this, it's fine. Mm. He's probably got toothache or something, or he might have a headache, or mm. he, he just, just might... Just a drink. Just might want to, yeah. Maybe you want some bloody love. Yeah, they got plenty. They got and plenty. And they still do. That's one area they... Uh, yeah. It, it was never neglected. No, I know that. Our marriage was neglected. Mm. The passion, the, the, everything comes with... That was all neglected. But I was okay with that as long as the children didn't hear a whisper. Yeah. Or feel any tension. So the routines I would have when you were abroad, I would stick to those. Mm-hmm. So routine, routine. Breakfast at a certain time, and then they go to school, and then they come back. And then we'd have dinner. Sometimes all four would have four different meals. That's okay. It's fine. The kids, it's normal. Not in every house, but it was in our house. I was never made as a child to eat the dinner. And if you don't eat that, there's nothing else. I had options. All the kids have got the options. Call them what you want. But when you were home, I never stopped that routine Mm -hmm. that I had. Never changed it. Because you want the children, every parent would want their children to feel safe. And loved. Yeah. And that comes a lot from routine. And that's why I still say the same. Our situation is not as bad as somebody else's. Mm. As bad as it was, mm. the children never knew. Mm. And I'm proud of that. Yeah. I know you worked hard to, to maintain that. And I'm proud of you for doing that. Mm. It's I mean, what you do. Mm. Just You don't have to try. You just do it. But I was very hard with you. You get stung a few times if you came near or... Maybe I was overprotective. I don't know. I, don't. I just went with the flow and I went with my gut feel, I don't which s- I trust very much, by the way. Yeah. Because it's got me to today. I don't see that you were ever overprotective. What mother wouldn't be protective of the children around somebody who's potentially dangerous? I mean, let's be honest. We were talking offline earlier about blackouts. You weren't dangerous around them. No, no. I- and let me just clarify that. Okay. Never, ever did I feel. They never saw you behave in a different way. No. No, no you were just unpredictable. If anything, you might have told them off a bit more. Mm. And I'd say, that's uncalled for. Why are you doing that? And I'd defend them straight away. And then you'd say to me later, why are you always defending them? It's showing them that I am, what did you used to say? That your lack of respect for me, you always agree with them. You mm. don't agree with me. Mm. And yes, I do. Maybe one of the times I shouldn't have always agreed with them and put you second but given our situation, I did. Yeah. And you wanted to be that constant. All the time, so that they felt safe. Yeah. And they always did. Mm. I think I'm imagining um, other families out there, other yeah. situations where things aren't quite safe. I've met plenty of people in, in the rooms of AA and in rehab yeah. and different situations, clients even, where, you know, let, let's imagine the number of times that people drunk drive with kids in the car. I know. Happens a lot. And drug drive. Mm. You know, so there's this there's this notion I've got that there are periods, if you're in the madness and if you're an, an active alcoholic or addict, you know, there's there's moments of unsafety. If you were going to get our children in your car, which you never did, no. you wouldn't. You wouldn't do that. 
I'd just get a knife and cut the tires <laughs> to stop you from going. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, you would do anything to stop me. And then cut the ones on my car, cut all those as well. Before I'd let you drive them an inch. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe thrown something at you. <laughs> no, okay. Maybe hid your keys. Yeah, hit, hiding the keys would be a good one. I don't know about the Get rest. Get your debit card, hide that. Mm. So I, again, I think, um, <laughs> I, I love it what you said earlier about me and my rules. But actually, I think in terms of protection of you and the family, we can call them boundaries or we can t- call them ways that you protect yourself. There are ways to protect yourself, are there not? There's things that you proactively decide to do to change in your behavior. Yes. I didn't read Google. I didn't listen to anyone. I just went off my own feelings. Mm. You can't beat your gut feel. It's there all the time with you. That's that's another story about your subconscious and all. But I did. I listened to my gut feel with everything. You know, there's people that wake up and they've got bruises all over them. You were never that guy. Mm. But there's people that do and Mm. worse. Mm. I guess that that we're all entirely different. We're all human beings and we all exhibit different behaviours and different things. You know, some men get teary when they're drunk. Some men get violent when yes. they're drunk. I think I was more of a crier, let's be honest. I mm. remember you used to break down in tears an awful lot. At my, you did, yeah, you, yeah, you do cry a lot. Oh, my poor situation. I what tell, about me? Yes. Wham. Yeah. Here's I, wham again. Yeah. And then my lack of sympathy would come through. I'm sure you would know. Yeah. Well, at the end of the third or fourth year, I'm pretty sure the sympathy had run out long yeah, ago. Yeah, it did. Okay. Well, when it did run out, you'd just go away. Mm. You'd go abroad. I think yeah. it's been really helpful. Thanks for sharing some of those real truths, actually. And there's been some difficult moments. So thanks, Spike. Yeah, the tone's completely different with this one. It's a very serious subject. We need mm. to take it all very seriously. Mm. Okay. Thanks. Right. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye-bye.